Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. They were paying me to spit beer at them. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. I'm the Beer City Bruiser. You know how I deal with a nagging old lady? You know how I deal with you fans coming up wanting autographs? I drink beer. Beer City Bruiser looking to come to New York City for a fight here tonight. He just soaked up that cigar with that beer. He didn't even drink it. He just likes washing it in his teeth like Listerine. Beer City Bruiser, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Doing all good. It's What's nice is it's nice to chat to somebody who is, like myself, original Marvel fan because everybody <laughs> thinks that the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe started with Iron Man. It didn't, did it? Started with Punisher and Daredevil. Yes, everyone thinks it's the Iron Man and it wasn't. Favourite one out of those two, Punisher and Daredevil movie? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Start with the hardball questions and we'll get softer yeah. as you go on. You know, I, I love them both, but if I had to choose between one or the other, I'd probably go with Daredevil. Cool. I, th- I genuinely thought you would say Punisher because uh, behind the curtain as we logged on to here, I noticed a quote from the Punisher movie at the top of your Skype. So I assumed you'd go Punisher. Yeah, it's Punisher. See, it's a, I'm, I'm torn because, like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, it's, see, I got I just picked up um, the, the Punisher, uh, the one where he kills the whole Marvel Universe. Oh, uh, I don't know if you read yeah. that. And it literally comes down to the last two being Daredevil and Punisher, and I didn't want to finish it because I didn't want to see what happened. <laughs> it's like choosing your, it's like choosing out your kids, isn't it? It's sort of yeah. sounds to. You but you're you're still an avid comic book collector. How long have you been collecting now? Oh God, um, my whole life. Um, I as long as I can remember, I've always had comic books in my life. Um, you know, uh, growing up, I wasn't allowed. My, my parents didn't let me watch wrestling a lot. So my escape was comic books. And then I could get my wrestling fix because when I go pick up my comic books, I'd also pick up the wrestling magazines and I'd hide them inside my comic books. So I, I've been collecting comics since God, I could walk since I could read, you know, what I love is you, you treated wrestling magazines the same way that, here in the uk we would treat like a rude magazine like a like a like a nudie magazine just buy it put it in the middle of something else slide it into the room no one's noticed the thing 
Yeah, oh yeah. I, I used to, my parents, uh, you know, because I, the reason I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling when I was a kid, my brother and I, we'd watch it, we'd get all riled up, and I ended up putting my brother through a wall, just goofing around. And you remember the old uh, WCW hotline, the 1-900-909-9900 Mean Gene used to pitch? You do, that's for sure. <laughs> well, my parents one day got the, the their phone bill in the mail, and, and here's, you know, $50 and 900 calls. Well, here in the States, the nine, you could also do the sex lines, which are the 900 numbers. So my parents were like, okay, what, what's going on here? And I'm about 16, so it's right about that age when, you know, a boy is experimenting. So they end up, and I'm trying to explain to them, no, it's not what you think. They end up calling the hotline. My dad looks at me and goes, I don't know if I want to be disappointed or pleased. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a phone line with about rude women. It's a phone line where an old man tells you what naked men are doing. It's yeah, fine, I, just want, I just wanted to find out about Sting. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> we're sending you onto a desert island, sir. And we're going to ask you to take with you a, a DVD with three of your favourite wrestling matches that you can watch whilst you are there. Uh, what would you like your first wrestling match to be? Uh, my first wrestling match is going to be Shawn Michaels versus Mankind from In Your House Mind Games. Behold the face of fear. The mind of madness. Behold the horror that may soon be champion. I am afraid of what I might do, but I no longer have control of my mind. Pray that this man can stop the insanity. Pray for him if he doesn't. Have a nice day. Bruiser Brody uh, helped me discover wrestling, and then Cactus had me fall in love with wrestling. I had discovered him through Japanese tape trading, and actually my first match that I saw him was him versus uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy from the Tournament of Death, uh, the IWA match. Over it's it's Terry Gordy had just suffered all the strokes and stuff, so he wasn't 100%. And uh, I was a big Terry Gordy fan too, and then I, I saw this... this VHS tape. Oh my God, Gordy versus this guy named Cactus Jack, and I think it was like a it was a barbed wire something or other match. But they just went out there and beat the hell out of each other. It was pretty good. What is it that drew you to Mick Foley as a performer? His his body style, because like growing up, you know, everyone always wanted to be like Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior with the you know the body style, the big bodybuilder style, and. Mick drew me to him because he wasn't like everybody else. Um, you know, he had the big dumpy body. He had the, the missing teeth, the crooked smile, you know. And when I watched him wrestle, you know, it's like, wow, I, I can see me doing that. Because I always grew up, I was a bigger kid, you know. And then you saw that he literally put everything he had into his matches. Like, he left everything out there. And it was so believable you know, watching him wrestle and stuff. And it was really what drew me into it. And I found out that I could emotionally get invested in wrestling um, because I actually truly cared. With um, this particular match, why is it that from the, the, the entire catalog of Foley matches that you could choose as somebody that was tape trading, why have you gone with this one? This one I really like because, first of all, it's a longer match. Um, they, they, It's not just that, you know... Mankind Undertaker matches at the time in WWF were only, you know, 10 minutes long, a little bit more because they just beat the hell out of each other. And this one, 
it, you know, it's a good half hour long match and you get to see all aspects of both mankind and Shawn Michaels. Cause they start off with like a wrestling match and they, you know, exchanging holds and stuff. And then it breaks down into an actual fight, you know, and then it builds up all the way to the big table bump off the top rope, you know, and then also too, it was a way of incorporating all the other storylines that were going on between the two characters. Cause if you remember um, at the end of it and stuff, you know, there's a bunch of run-ins and stuff like that. There's a casket that's ringside and all that. And it's just, it's such an emotional journey from the, the moment they lock up all the way at the end. And you actually believe at a point in time that mankind's going to beat Shawn Michaels and become the heavyweight champion. There's never a point in time where you're like, oh, this is just Sean getting a match in on pay-per-view. You know what I mean? And the way that Sean sells for Mick, the the mandible claw spot where he passes out, um, you know, Mick rolling to the corner after uh, Sean's been working his knee, he starts pounding on his knee, and JR saying, oh, he's just trying to get feeling back in that knee. You know what I mean? Like, it takes in an emotional roller coaster. And it's it it literally covers all bases of wrestling from the technical to high flying to Sean doing the elbow and, and the cross body and stuff to the hardcore stuff with them on the outside and, and the table and all that. What I love is when you've got a match that you love that much, you like you did just then, you can you can relive it in your head moment by moment and beat by beat, which is which is when wrestling really gets you. How old would you have been when that match uh, when that match first happened? See, that was a senior in high school when that actually happened. I remember watching. I can tell you exactly where it was. I was at a friend's house watching the pay-per-view. We used to get together and, and all, you know, um, all me and my buddies would get together and watch the pay-per-views and stuff like that. And we were actually in his basement watching the pay-per-view and, you know, you doing little things. Oh, I'll do, you know, um, bet you a hundred pushups, he wins or whatever. And I was the only one in the building. I thought Mick Foley was going to beat Sean, you know? And like I said, as that match goes on, there's never a point in time where you're like, Oh, yep. Sean's just going to beat him clean. You know what I mean? Like it's a fight through and through me and my friends all really really liked wrestling early on um it was a a release where y'all could get together and stuff and if you think about in 96 um that's when wrestling started getting hot again because you had stone cold come on the scene in july of 96 you had the nwo um form so it was really the peak of lord it was starting to get hot again wrestling was you you could be a wrestling fan again and and wear your Austin 316 shirt or your NWO shirt and, and not be looked down upon. Um, but my friends, we'd all watched from earlier, you know. Um, in fact, my buddy whose house we used to go to watch the pay-per-views, he used to have two TVs set. He had three TVs set up. So we'd watch Nitro on one, Raw on the other, and then either a baseball game or a football game or something else in the, the third TV where we play video games while everything was going on. That's incredible attention. One TV's enough. To have all that going on, that's phenomenal. Because we're all fans of different people. So, you know, you uh, me early on doing tape trading, I found out there was different companies. So my buddies used to love to come over because I'd always, oh, I just got the new Brody tape. You know, it's him and uh, him and the Von Erics tagging against the Freebirds. So they'd come over, and that's how we got a taste for all that. So, like, obviously when you had the two major companies – all the, the guys from these other companies were coming to the major companies. So we used to want to watch both to see what they were doing. I mean, yeah, there are different gimmicks, but you could still tell, you know, like, 
oh, hey, that's too cold Scorpio. He's Flash Funk, you know. And then uh, uh, later on in, like, you know, 99 when ECW came around and stuff like that, that their TV was filled up with ECW because we used to record that. When that was happening, when you were around uh, the friend's house with the three TVs, do you remember which TV you were drawn to more during like the during that era like wwf wcw or all the baseball game but um was there was there either a tv that you were particularly drawn to no see I, I just loved wrestling so i would you know um i could tell you like i'd turn away like i'm not a big jeff jarrett fan so if a jeff jarrett promo came on or a match i'd just turn and look away <laughs> um you know like there was guys i wasn't a fan of just because i didn't like their wrestling or i didn't like their promo style so I'd look away, but I pretty much tried to watch as much as I could. And to this day, I still do that. During this whole quarantine thing, I'm on the network constantly just watching older stuff. See, this is the thing with, um, with, with it, it, I'm showing our age here a bit, but kids these days don't know they're born because you went through tape trading and the, and the, the, the chore comparatively that was getting hold of stuff from Japan. Whereas now because of the WWE network, because every major company has some kind of like a pivot share or an on-demand service, like everything is there when you want it, whenever you want it and however you want. It, it was difficult back in the day. Cause you, you'd find the tape you want and then you'd have to wait until it came to you. Cause if it was out of state, <laughs> you know, and it was like, Oh, I want to see this. And, no, I always tell my kids, you know, because they'll, you know, they'll, oh, Dad, you know, let's watch this match. And they'll either throw a DVD in or they'll go on the network or go on YouTube. And I'll be like, guys, you don't understand. Like, if you would been alive back when I was a kid, you know, that's why all my VHS tapes were so worn because you just want to keep watching and watching and watching. Going back to uh, this match in 96, watching Mankind and Shawn Michaels, it was your senior year. Were you considering wrestling at that point, or was this something that was sort of starting to happen? I didn't know you, someone like me could do it. I've always wanted to, you know what I mean? But I wasn't in a pursuit of like, oh, I'm going to go find a, a way into the business. You know what I mean? Like, it was always an interest. Um, I was always excited by it. I was, I was, drawn to entertainment you know in, in high school i was in the video production and i was in theater club and all that so like i was always drawn to the entertainment side of things but it, at that point in time i didn't know there was a way into wrestling because you gotta remember too 96 there was no books out of guys talking about how they got in the business there was no internet or very little internet you know there was only dirt sheets and stuff so there wasn't really an advertising of hey you want to be a pro wrestler you know, there was no real wrestling schools around, you know, in fact, when I started, I think there was only in, in the Midwest here where I'm from, there was only one school that you could actually physically go to and it was in the process of shutting down, you know? So 96, I wasn't, I wanted, I wanted to be a pro wrestler, but I didn't know how to do it. So I wasn't really pursuing it. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. But you were, when you, when you look at it, some of the stuff that you were doing before wrestling was an option kind of set you up in the right way going forward. You you talk about you did video production there, which you know, a lot of people uh, nowadays online, they put together clips of their own matches and stuff like that. Uh, but you did theatre club as well, you say. Like I said, I've always been drawn to acting and entertainment. Um, growing up, my parents owned a video store, so movies have always been a big part of my life. Um and, you know, you get to high school and, and you got to choose, you know, we call them electives. So not your normal math, English, 
science classes and I saw theater and I was like, well, let's give this a try, see what happens. And uh, I fell in love with it and I was in it all the way up through college. Can you remember a particular performance that you put on in theater club that you are proud of? Yeah, um, we did. Um, it was a comedy of follies. I don't remember the name of the title, but it was um, it was two roommates discussing um, how they're getting ready. One of them was getting ready for a date that night. And uh, I was uh, the comedic because I, I didn't mind taking falls and stuff like that on the stage. So, um, you know, I, I'd walk and trip over stuff or there's a scene where, like, I'm carrying – I'm getting ready for this date that's coming over. And I was carrying a, a pile of, or a bowl of – it's essentially whipped cream, but it was like a pie. And I slip and fall. My face goes into it. And just getting the reaction from the crowd and stuff like that was, was fun. It was only a, a one-night thing. It was basically for your parents and stuff like that. But it was the first time I actually got a reaction from people doing something. And I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. Would you ever do more acting stuff? Yes, I would. I've, I've uh, done a commercial for um, Sears, which is uh, like a tool shop, uh, tool hardware store over here in the States. Um, and I've done a couple plays I've auditioned for, but I haven't really gotten the parts because the wrestling schedule obviously takes over. But I, I can see the natural transition from wrestling into acting. I think so well you see so many people that that already do that you know you, you look at the top of the tree and one of the biggest actors in hollywood right now has has, has quite the professional wrestling pedigree so i'm told in Dwayne the rock johnson <laughs> <laughs> so yeah some people vaguely remember he did a wrestling career theater background and all this stuff you're really well positioned uh once you figured out the wrestling school way and i know you trained with harley race but how did you finally sort of connect the dots with how to get there it was actually we were watching um a pay-per-view at my buddy's house again and uh we used to after the pay-per-views and stuff we'd go outside and just kind of wrestle around and hit each other with stuff like that and, and a buddy of mine oh we're doing that because hey you really love this stuff don't you I said yeah man and he goes well are you interested in becoming a professional wrestler? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like how? He goes, well, my neighbor's a professional wrestler. They just had a ring set up in my backyard because they were doing a news, uh, a newscast about this local wrestling event coming up. He's like, I can introduce you to him. And then you take it from there. I said, yeah, sure. So we went over to his, uh, his neighbor's house and his name was, this guy's name was Jet Bennett, who I'm still really good friends with to this day and uh you know here it is 11 o'clock at night and knocking on his door and he answers the door and hey i want to be a professional wrestler and so he gave me a list of people who to contact about getting in wrestling and one of them was steel domain wrestling school now steel domain is famous for uh pumping out colt cabana and cm punk um so they're a year before i started so i called the number and it was actually ace and danny were going through uh like a business breakup so that the school was shut down next guy on the list was a guy named trevor adonis and he actually lived in the same hometown that i lived in so i went and saw him and he's like yeah i'll tell you what you come we have this event coming up um you come pay me 150 dollars i'll give you an hour and a half like fantasy session if it's something you want i'll train you and, and help you on your way well my hour and a half fantasy session ended up turning into four and a half hours just because i picked up on it right away and trevor was really excited 
if you fast forward a couple of years, I'd been in the business for two or three years and I'd done a couple of the Harley race fan, uh, the training camps that he does for the week long. And Harley says, uh, you won the scholarship to my school. If you move down here, I will, I'll train you. And I went to Trevor says, what do I do? He's like, you're an idiot. If you don't go train with Harley race, <laughs> like that, that's your next step. So I ended up moving down by Harley and training with Harley. And the funny thing is, is a steel who I originally called was down at Harley's also. So if you look at it, it kind of came full circle. Cause you know, I ended up training with ACE and coming really good friends with him. And, I always tell him the story. Hey man, I called you. And he literally tells me if I, I would have called a month earlier, I would have trained in Chicago, you know, but here I am. <laughs> I want to talk a bit more about, um, about your training with Harley race. But before we do, uh, you need to pick another match for your DVD, sir. So what would you like your second match to be? I am going with, uh, bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen tagging against Tori Funk jr. And Terry Funk in Japan for all Japan wrestling. They had the ring that had the diagonal through it, that Ring of Honor kind of stole, but it had the blue and the red. I vaguely remember the, the setup of that ring, but uh, with this particular one, I imagine this would have been a, a match that you would have got through tape trading. Yep, this was actually my first uh, introduction to Terry Funk, so... Um... I knew who Stan Hansen was because, like I said, the first time I ever watched wrestling, the first main event I saw was Brody versus Hansen. So I was already familiar with Hansen. And Hansen was AWA champion. And AWA was really big in where I grew up in Milwaukee. So getting this, I was introduced to the Funks, um, Dory Jr. and Terry. And this match was just insane. Like, you want to see a hard-hitting, sweat-flying you know, bloody, just gruesome brawl of a match. This is the match to watch. They absolutely took no prisoners when they were in the rings at the Funk, especially in Japan. And Bruiser Brody is another name, as well as Hansen. It is it is loaded with 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 international stars in Japan. That match is in particular. Uh, but Brody was another guy that that inspired you, wasn't he? Watch Brody for everything he does because everything Brody does is larger than life. Being a seven year old kid and being at that fair and watching Brody come past me, you know he. Looked looked like he was 10 feet tall and just he had the blood coming down his face and the sweat he's doing the huss huss and the people are reacting and then just my eyes got wide my uncle i in fact talked to my uncle the other day who took me to that event and uh he's still a big fan of mine like he's so proud of me and and he goes man you always tell that brody story i says yeah so that's that was my introduction to wrestling and that's that's what drew me to it and he goes he goes, you don't remember what happened after that? I says, no, what happened? He says, you were so excited that you ended up spilling your root beer all over your, your aunt, and she got upset and left. And I was like, really? <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember that at all. He's like, yeah, we couldn't keep you in your seat. You kept getting out of your seat. And then when Brody came over and people were, were running away, I guess I was walking towards Brody, and they had to grab me a couple times. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, so add that to your little podcast story. I said, all right, I will. <laughs> so that, and that says it all really about 
where about your how deep your love of wrestling was going to run like as bruiser brody who would he would naturally intimidate a crowd as they were running away yeah. you were going towards him yeah um, i was just drawn to him <laughs> what was the so you said this was was this about an affair did you say what's the story behind that like where was this the first time i ever saw wrestling yeah this so um my i was at my grandparents house and uh, my uncle who was a big wrestling fan took me to a, 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 it's called the Merrill County Fair. And, and it, what it is, you know, it's like a normal fair and stuff. And AWA Wrestling was there. And my uncle knew that the wrestling was there. And plus there was a band there that he wanted to see. And he knew that I was old enough where, you know, I, I could go. And he wanted to show me this wrestling. And he got it clear with my parents and stuff. And my uncle took me and, and, Savio Vega was on the card. Um, trying to think, because um, like Greg Gagne was on the card. Uh, Mad Dog Rashan was there, but he didn't do a lot because he was older. Um, Crusher made an appearance, but he didn't do much. But yeah, the the main event was supposed to be Abdul the Butcher versus Bruiser Brody, and for some reason Abby canceled, so Hanson came in and was the filler. And if you go back and look in the record books, I think they only wrestled each other in the States four times. And this is one of the four times. And so the main event was for the AWA title. Obviously, it's a Brody match, so it, there's no winner, you know. And they're doing the brawling all over and hitting each other. And, and Brody ended up coming past me. And, and I just was wide-eyed and was enthralled with it. And that was it. I just wanted <laughs> wrestling was the thing, you know. There was um, there was a time when you when you competed in Japan, uh, which is which must be incredible to to be such a fan of that tape trading scene, and then get to go and work in Japan. Yeah, it was amazing. Not only working in Japan, but working in Corican Hall, um, where if, if you watch any of the old Japanese stuff, you know a lot of stuff happened in Corican Hall. In fact, the match that I'm talking about now with uh, Brody and Hanson versus the Funks happened in Corican Hall. And um, wrestling there was amazing. And not only that, but the first night I got to wrestle, you know, Hiroki Goto for the Never Openweight Championship. So it was cool because not only was I in Japan wrestling in a historic building, but I was also going for a, a top New Japan title against one of their top stars, you know, um, who's also a legend in Japan. And a guy who would always, he was always on my bucket list for guys to wrestle because I'd always looked up to him. And having the match we had was amazing. And the reaction I got from the people, I, I wanted to make, when I went out and stuff, I wanted to make a reaction like Brody had. And I remember talking to Kevin Kelly uh, the night before the show saying, man, I just, I want to make an impact here. Like, I want people to remember me. And he goes, well, think back to your, your guys. He says, think back to Brody. Think back to Cactus. Think back to Bam Bam Bigelow and, and Dr. Death. Like, what? What did they do? And I was like, man, they did stuff with the crowd. He's like, yeah, think of something. So I'd spit beer into the crowd and they'd react with it. And, you know, and that kind of became my thing over there. And it was like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, I got people reacting now. I'm really and glad then, you got uh, to tell that story because didn't, didn't, didn't something happen after this with a bunch of fans in Japan? Yeah. So <laughs> after the second night, so then the second night I wrestled, um, they, they're like, oh, great match with was go to last night tonight you wrestle a young boy i was like okay cool i wrestled uh hanre who's a great guy and uh 
after that gets done, I got in the back, and they're like, well, we need you to wrestle again, which is rare in Japan. You don't wrestle twice. Ended up wrestling a three-way with Dalton and Trent for the Ring of Honor world title in the main event, and I got to cut a promo. Well, after the shows were all done, as I was walking back from Cork into the hotel, because you could walk there, people would walk up, and they'd hand me uh, a a thousand yen and, and a beer. I'd be like, what is this? And they'd be like, please, please. They were paying me to spit beer at them. <laughs> so obviously I only need one beer to spit at numerous people. So I was just collecting the beers and the money and I had beer for the room later. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're teaching students now yourself, but you are a product of, of numerous people, including, as you said earlier, Harley Race. Talk me through your first day training with Harley. Uh, let's see. My first day, I remember going to the school, um, you know, because I, I packed up the U-Haul and, and moved everything down to Missouri. And it's like an eight-hour drive from where I live to there. And I got down there and I went in the first day and Harley had said, hey, when you get into town, come to the school and, and check in and we'll get you all set up. And I said, all right. So my first day in the school, not actually training, just getting into town. I, I, I walk in and the first person I see is Darren Wade, who was a student of Harley's who later became a trainer there. Um, to this day, still good friends with Darren. Um, but I remember saying hi to him. And then I got to meet Ted and Mike DiBiase. Um, Ted DiBiase Jr. and Mike DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man sons, and talking to them and, and seeing stuff. And there was a couple other guys. There was a guy named Bradham Tatum who was there and a guy named Johnny Pantoya, you know, just kind of saying hello and, you know, giving my hellos. And then Trevor Murdoch was there. Um, and Trevor had just signed with WWE. He wasn't on the road yet. He hadn't debuted yet, but he had just signed. Um, and then going back into the back, area because the school was was this long building on the first school and when you walk in you had to walk past the ring to go into the back and on the left was bj's office and then right next to bj's office was harley's so you go into the back and walk in and there's bj who obviously i knew because i've met her numerous times and she came up gave me a big hug and um welcomed me and stuff and then 
upset, went to Harley's, and Harley told me to sit down. All right, here we go. This is this is this training schedule. This is what we're gonna do. Get yourself all moved in, and you can start as soon as you want. And I looked at Harley. Says, "Well, I got my gear in the truck." And Harley's like, "You sure you want to start tonight?" I said, "Yeah, you know, got my gear. Let's do this." So you don't want to move in first? I said, "No, I can do that later." So I ended up going out, changing, and actually doing training that night. So you, so you had your whole life in the back of your truck, and you went right and put my yep. gear on. That's this, and, and I get it because that's the whole reason you're there is to train. Yeah, get started. Yeah, yep, amazing. And it was, it was so cool. Like that first day, I, I you know, uh, Trevor ran things, and Harley sat down. Um, and the cool thing about training with Harley is he'd watch all the training sessions. Like his hands-on when I was down there. He wasn't actually in the physically in the ring with you because he couldn't physically get in the ring. He could, but it was hard. But he would sit. And if he saw something and he stood up, everything shut down and you listened. And if he walked his way to the ring, you know, and he'd pull somebody out and he'd show you things, you know, and that's how you knew, okay, this is everyone listen, you know. Um, and he would, if we did matches and stuff, he'd break down the matches. Go back to this spot. Why did you do this? Run it through again. Why did you do it? And he'd break it down. And it, that was a real good thing because we couldn't physically get Harley, but we could get his mind, you know. And then when I got comfortable down there, Harley used to open, he used to get to the school at 10 a.m. And training wasn't until 5. Well, I realized, hey, if I got there between 10 and 10.30, I could have the whole day with Harley, so I'd go and I'd, I'd do chores around the school, but the whole time Harley would pull me in his office and he'd pull out the old wrestling at the chase booking sheets. And he'd, he'd, oh, I remember when Kurt Henning debuted here. I remember that kid Ric Flair debuting here and he'd break it down for me. And then he'd, he'd talk, well, where are you wrestling this weekend? How did you handle your money? You know, and he'd tell me how to talk to promoters, you know, and he, he, he taught me the business side of things. So I always tell people I went to high school, grade school and high school with Trevor I went to college with Harley, you know, he where he would break everything down and even business wise, like this is how you sell your merchandise. This is how you get your bookings. When you sign your first contract, this is how you split up your paychecks. You don't go broke, you know, and, and years later when I signed my ROH contract, I remember calling him up. Hey, I'm, I'm signing with this. He's like, all right, remember, this is how you break it down. And that way I, I don't have tax troubles here. I don't have to worry, you know, with this whole quarantine, it was great because I have money saved up and Ring of Honor is still paying us and stuff like that. But it was cool not to have to worry, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it, it sounds to me that you got a phenomenal lesson from Harley because so many wrestling schools will teach you how to wrestle, but nobody, not not many, teach you the the business side of it. And it sounds as if Harley gave you an amazing grounding in that as well. He did, and I think what it was is he saw something in me because he didn't do that with just everybody. He wanted to see if you had heart and initiative, you know. And there's a couple, there's a handful of guys that kind of saw what I was doing, and they jumped on it too. Um, one of them being Joe Henning. Um, who is now obviously Curtis Axel in, in WWE. And, you know, we always would tell guys, because they'd be like, oh, Harley favors you guys. And we'd always say, no, he doesn't. We go and we bug him. We go into his office, you know, like we want to learn. We're here. We're we're here to be professional wrestlers. We're not here to work at, at a restaurant and wrestle on the side. You know, we came to the best. So we're going to get, 
everything we possibly can from him. And he appreciates that. You know, he sees that initiative and that drive. So he's teaching us. We lost Harley last year. Uh, what do you think Harley Race's legacy is in professional wrestling? The greatest wrestler on God's green earth. Um, one of the most professional men. Uh, one of the greatest wrestlers. One of the best teachers. Um, Harley had a tough exterior, but had a heart of gold. Um, I remember one time when I was down there, I couldn't pay my electric bill. And he ended up, he paid my electric bill for me, but I didn't know he did till a few months later, you know, um, because he didn't gloat about it. He just, he knew he had to take care of, you know, we're all his kids. He used to call us all his kids because we were, you know, he was our surrogate parent. Um, and his legacy is he'll always, he will be the greatest wrestler in God's green earth. And one of the best trainers and just one of the best human beings ever. I want to go on a little fun tangent because some people may remember that you got beaten up by Simon Dean that time. <laughs> yes, yes I did. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, per Eric Bischoff, please welcome one of our new sponsors on Raw, Simon Dean. For weeks now, on Raw and around the world, you watch my commercials air, but not tonight, because I'm here to introduce myself personally. My name is Simon Dean, <laughs> and I've chosen Peoria, Illinois, for my first live infomercial. <laughs> and tonight, I'm gonna choose one very lucky person who will receive a one-year supply of my patented Simon system. You, sir, in the blue shirt, in the second row. <laughs> sir, by the looks of your horrendous dental hygiene, it appears as if you spend way too much time eating and not enough time brushing your own teeth. Is it hereditary? Are your mom and dad cousins? Hey, whoa, 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 security, let him in. Let him in, security. Let him in. Come on, pour yourself over the barricade. So, what's your name? My name's Matt. Well, Matt, where are you from? Right here in Peoria. That's where Matt, have you ever tried my patented Simon system? No. Well, Matt, would you like to try my patented Simon system? Not particularly, no. Well, Matt, I think you should and I'm gonna prove it. Would you please take off your shirt? You take off your shirt? I'll take mine off in a minute, but you first. <laughs> Whoa, it looks like you could use some Lean Dean Fitness Cream for that skin condition. <laughs> and just like I suspected, Matthew, do you realize that if you use my patented Simon system for just 30 days, 
it'll help you get rid of these jiggly man boobs. <laughs> Let's see if the other one jiggles also. <laughs> to us about how that came about i was really young and dyed black hair for some reason really long black hair i guess it was a thing at the time um the, the way that came about was i was on a weekend loop um i actually wrestled chris candido um every day of that weekend so from thursday to sunday i was basically candido's ride and uh wrestled him every weekend and i got to become really good friends with candido before he passed away but um, I was at we we're at this place in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and um, I was wrestling Candido that night. And a friend of mine, because um, I told a friend of mine, "Hey, I'm trying to lose some weight and stuff like that, so I was on a diet and just miserable." And um, he looks at me and he goes, "Man, you're just looking extra fat today." And I was like, "What?" It's like, man, you look so fat. Like, why are you so fat right now? And I was like, dude, what, what is your problem? And as he's saying that, Ken Anderson was getting some of his bag. He looks up at me and goes, oh, yeah. And he walks away. And my buddy goes, you're welcome. And I said, welcome for what? You've been calling me fat for like the last two hours. You know what? I'm really trying to lose weight. Like, what is going on? He goes, you'll see. About five minutes later, Ken Anderson comes back and goes, hey, do you want to be on Monday Night Raw? And I was like, well, yeah. He goes, okay, they're looking for a fat guy to do this spot. Here's Tommy Dreamer's number. Give him a call and get it all set up. We'll ride together. I said, okay. So I ended up calling Tommy Dreamer. And Dreamer's like, yep, ride with Ken. He knows the call time and all that. Here's what you need. I said, okay. And I ended up riding with Ken Anderson. And this is actually the day that Ken Anderson signed his WWF contract. Um to become Ken Kennedy and all that, Mr. Kennedy and all that. But anyways, uh, we get there and they're like, yep, we need a guy. Simon Dean's making a debut. We need a big guy. And all he's going to do is he's going to pull you in the ring, make fun of you. And that's it. I was like, okay, whatever you need. So they're like, if you want, go ahead, go in the ring, roll around, do what you want. So me and Ken are in the ring. We're rolling around and JR and Paul Heyman are watching us. And they're talking to each other and all that. And all of a sudden, um, a producer walks up, uh, Michael Hayes, and goes, hey, kid, um, are you willing to take a couple bumps for, for Simon? I says, yeah, whatever you need. And they're like, okay, and he walks away. And then we're doing stuff and doing stuff. And then um, Brooklyn Brawler walks up and goes, hey, kid, you're supposed to, you two, uh, Anderson and, and you, you're supposed to come with me. Vince wants you guys to do a couple promos. And what Brooklyn Brawler would do is you'd do a promo and then he'd record it and then he'd give that to Johnny Ace. And that's how you got your promos over. And so Ken does his and Ken's obviously amazing and they, they let me do mine. And Michael Hayes comes back up and goes, Hey, uh, Vince heard you can talk. So you got lines now. They want you to talk during the segment. And I was like, Oh, cool. So I ended up meeting, uh, Simon Dean. And we're talking and stuff, and Simon goes, yeah, everything's changing because I found out you can work and you're really good. So we'll walk through this in a little bit. I says, yeah, no problem, man. What do you want me to do? He's like, just relax and have fun. So finally, the final 
uh, script, I guess you could say, whatever we were doing that night came through. And it, it went from me just being a plant in the crowd, him making fun of, to me being a plant in the crowd, jumping the rail, getting in the ring, talking, doing physicality with him, and then getting thrown down. I mean, it just evolved in the, to what it actually was, you know, and it was all because they were watching me before the show. They were watching me wrestle. Paul Heyman and JR watched me wrestle around, and then they found out I could talk and stuff like that. And uh, they're like, okay, well, we're going to find out what you need to wear. Let's go talk to Vince. And I was like, wait, excuse me? They're like, yeah, we're going to go talk to Vince right now to see what he wants you to wear in the crowd. So here I am, very first day, you know, doing extra work. Literally found out about this 48 hours before. Um, walking to meet Vince McMahon, probably the most powerful man in professional wrestling. <laughs> and Simon Dean going, you nervous? I'm like, yeah, I'm a little nervous. And he's like, don't worry, we all get a little nervous around Vince. You'll be fine. So we go up and I'm like, Vince, this is the guy doing the thing. I introduce myself. And Vince is like, oh, okay, well, I like the shirt you're wearing. What, what do you have with you? I said, well, I have a blue uh, button down shirt. He's like, oh, a button down shirt. Perfect. Do you feel comfortable taking it off? Said, yeah, whatever you want. He's like, well, you're kind of fat. They might talk about your man titties. And I was like, yeah, whatever you want. And I go, but I got lit up by Candido this weekend. So my chest, if you watch the video, my chest is just bruised. I was going to ask you what Candido that was. Because obviously Simon that was... thing says, oh, it's a skin condition. But it looked like Candido had chopped yeah. you into oblivion. Yeah, like I literally got over a thousand chops from Candido because I wrestled him Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And he wanted to do this chop spot every single match. So I'm just, my chest just looks like raw meat. We're trying to explain, you know, well, Vince, this is what it looks like. And Vince goes, oh, that's fine. We'll just, we'll call it gonorrhea. See, everyone look at him and look at me and look at him. And I'm like, and no one's correcting him that you can't have gonorrhea on your chest. No one, there's leaving it. Like, yeah, that's great, Vince. And I'm like, okay. And I'm not going to say anything. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to correct him. So as we're leaving, Michael Hayes goes to Simon and goes, hey, call it a skin condition. Don't call it gonorrhea. And, and Simon's like, okay, no problem. And I go, doesn't he know? And and Simon Dean goes, he probably doesn't, but are you going to tell him? I'm like, nope, because neither am I. I was like, okay. So we ended up doing the segment, and it, it went off great. And there's a shot, too, that um, I was told later. So they pan over to Simon Dean. He beats me up. He stretches me out. And they pan over to him walking up the ramp, and then they pan back to me in the crowd. And Arn Anderson told me they had never done that before. They had never gone off an extra to go onto the talent, to go back to the ring to the extra to go to commercial. They'd never done that. Wow. And I was the first one to do that, and that's kind of like a feather in my cap. And, like, it's really cool because I became good friends with all these guys because that had gone so well, I'd done so much more extra work after that. You know, I literally did extra work all the way up until I signed my contract with Ring of Honor. And um, all those guys I, I would see, you know, now guys are getting released. Like, I still talk to Mike Bucci, who is Simon Dean to this day. I still talk to Tommy Dreamer. Um, I still talk to Michael Hayes. Um you know, like all these guys, like I've created friendships with all because this segment went really well. And a funny story is Chris Jericho, after the segment got done and I was walking back to the the locker room, Jericho walked up and goes, man, that was some funny shit. You're pretty good. And he shook my hand. 
Well, you fast forward years later, and I was on the Jericho podcast, and he remembers that segment. He goes, I think I remember meeting you at this time. And I was like, oh, yeah, we met here, and I did this, and you said it was a funny segment. So it was really cool, you know, kind of come full circle. You were doing extra stuff with WWE until Ring of Honor came calling. Uh, how, did the, how did it work out that you ended up with Ring of Honor? Steve Carino is a really good friend of mine. He was with Ring of Honor, and he was always telling me, you need to do a tryout camp for Ring of Honor. They will love you. They will love your character. You're a throwback. You're, you're a beer-drinking ass kicker. Like, they will love you. And I was like, you know what, Steve? I don't know, because I just moved home from Harley's, and I was getting booked every weekend on, on indies across the Midwest here, and I was working programs, and, and you know, I was having a – I was kind of happy just being – a, a you know a big fish in a small pond because I'd done so much at Harley's and done the tryouts with WWE and done the tryouts with Impact and it was just like I don't I'm tired you know what I mean and um, I met Kevin Steen and he was telling me that and Kevin Kelly and and all these guys were telling me go do this trial go do this trial and I was like no 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 if I, uh, go a couple months ahead and I get married and my father in law is a big fan of mine. And he's like, why don't you do what these guys are telling you? Why aren't you doing this tryout? And I was like, I don't really want to pay to do a tryout because I've done so many in the past. I'm just happy where I'm at. I ended up having knee surgery and coming back from knee surgery. And um, he go, he's still telling me, man, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Well, he ends up passing away in June of, of 2013. And in his will, he had left the money aside for me to do the tryout camp enough money to pay for the tryout camp a flight a rental car and a hotel and the only way we could touch that was if i want and it was literally live your dream is what it said this is for you to live your dream so enough talking to carino says when's this next tryout camp because i actually it's in october and uh i said okay so i'm gonna sign up for it so i ended up signing up for it um in 2014 is when i did my tryout camp and um, I remember telling my wife, like, when I do this camp, like, I don't just want to be a guy at the camp. I've been a guy. You know, I've been a guy that's good at, at a camp. I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy that walks in, kicks open the door, and everybody's talking about him. And that when you leave, I want to be the guy that when we leave this tryout camp, the first person they think about is the Beer City Bruiser. And she goes, well, then do that. You know, like, obviously this is meant to be, you know, my dad saw something in you, go do it. So I ended up doing the tryout camp and just killing it. Just doing a great job to the point where after the second day, Delirious Hunter pulls me aside and goes, in January, we're doing a top prospect tournament. You're booked in it. I'll shoot you an email with the dates. You're all good. I was like, oh, sweet. You know, like I did it. You know, I, I killed it. And uh, so I ended up getting booked with the Top Prospect Tournament, and I ended up doing a camp match with Will Ferrara at this camp. And we had everyone standing up on their feet. And my semifinals match for the Top Prospect Tournament was me versus Will. And our, our instructions were, do exactly like you did at the, at the tryout camp, just do it on TV. So we ended up tweaking it a little bit and having the match on TV. And that's essentially what got us both our jobs was, was that that's what got us on the radar. And that's how I got started getting booked regularly with ring of honor. Now, if you watch when I wrestle on my left wrist tape, I write uh Bapa B O P P A. 
that's because that's what my kids called my father-in-law. That so he didn't like being called grandpa, so he wanted to be called Bubba. So I write that on there in homage to him. And then on my other side, I write JB, which was his initials. And then I have Harley written on one for Harley. And on the other side, I have TA for Trevor Adonis. So that way they're always with me when I wrestle. The one thing that's happened that's, that's come out over the last week, and I'm really, it's really lovely to get, to get you on at this time to talk about this is that, um, with all the uncertainty in wrestling at the moment, obviously the, uh, the, the pandemic has shut down wrestling almost all entirely. There were massive layoffs with WWE last week. And you mentioned it earlier on in this interview, and it's important to say, Ring of Honor, uh, you are still being paid for the shows that haven't happened. Yep, they 100% have taken care of us. Um, they reach out to us. Um, every day I talk to somebody from the Ring of Honor office, just them checking to see. Um, Joe Coff, you know, has personally texted me and sent me an email. Hey, how how you doing? How you holding up? Hopefully this is and they they keep us all informed about what's going on. Um, uh, you know they they've taken care of us financially. They're calling us, you know, texting us to make sure that mentally we're okay, finding out what we're doing. Um, they're constantly, you know, they have stuff for us to do for social media. Um, you know, we need you guys to film this, send it into social media. Uh, if you guys can do this social media wise, you know, cause they want us to keep interacting with the fans and doing interviews and stuff like that. So we can keep up with the fans and, uh, with honor club, they're doing the whole back catalog right now. And every day there's something new on honor Club, so You can go back and watch. I think it's from 2010 to current stuff. You know, you can watch, um, any matches. So it's great. You know, um, they're doing everything they possibly can to somehow keep ring of honor still in the forefront without actually putting on shows and all the talent. I mean, they're, they're, they're taking care of us the best they can and they're doing a great job. What have you got planned? Uh, once ring of honor sort of gets, gets its motor running again, is there matches? Is there any key matches that you would love to have? Yeah, I want to do um, the Bouncers versus G.O.D. from New Japan. Um, G.O.D. has put out social media. They want to, they want to do uh, uh, new tag teams and stuff, and, and we threw our hat in the ring. And uh, Ring of Honor's relationship with New Japan is better than it's ever been, so we've actually approached our creative about it, and they've approached New Japan's creative, so... That's number one on my list right now is I want the bouncers versus G.O.D. in some way, some fashion, some form. Like, it's got to happen. Like, I just want that match. Um, I want to continue what we're doing with Session Moss Martina um, because we had, before everything got shut down, we had filmed all that stuff, and it was getting good traction. We filmed some stuff in Vegas with just me and her, but it was awkward because it's just me and her and there's no Malonis. Um but the fans love it, so I want to keep that going too, and try and find out a way where we can work out an intergender six man, you know, uh, with her as our partner. Um, those are two goals right off the top of my head, I can tell you. And then obviously tag team gold, we want to get, you know, at some point in time. I'm glad we mentioned um, Session Moth because I'm intrigued to know um, how that's working with her. Because obviously, what I see is, is wonderful, and and it brings joy to my heart because. Um, I, we work for, I work for a few wrestling promotions here in the UK in the north of England and obviously she, over here Session Moth Martina is, is a legend and, 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 yeah. and the, the character plays off a lot of uh, 
quite sort of sort of British stereotypes. And I was when when I heard that Moth was signed to Ring of Honor, I was so excited, and I really wanted to hope that that transitioned over there. What's been the reaction to Session Moth Martina overall? It's been fantastic. It's been the best it could be. So when when Sesh came over, like they had signed her, but she was doing a tour, I believe, with Stardom. So she couldn't start right away. And so they're like, um, she got her start date, and they told us right away, you know, Session's coming in. She's basically a female version of you guys. Um, we're going to do something. And it was supposed to be one promo of us welcoming her to Ring of Honor. They're like, you guys do what you want, but it's got to be you guys welcoming her to Ring of Honor and introducing her to the Ring of Honor crowd. So that way people that don't follow the UK scene can kind of get it like, oh, okay, cool. She's a party girl, you know, something like that. So between the three of us, we all figured out the this thing where she ends up you know, me and Brian are looking. I'm like, hey, man, where's the beer? He's like, oh, it's in the cooler. Are you sure it's in the cooler? Yeah, I went and I bought it myself. It's in the cooler. And I open up the cooler and all the beer's gone. And I'll be like, dude, is this a joke? Like, where's all the beer? He's like, what are you talking about? It's all right there in the cooler. And then we turn around and there's Sesh passed out with all these beer cans around her on a table. And I'll be like, is that Session Moss Martina? And she wakes up, hey, boys. And I'll be like, wait a minute. You're you're the UK session moth Martina and you, you came over here and the first thing you do in Ring of Honor is drink all of our beer. She goes, That was your beer and is you know it's all like a funny haha segment and then she leaves and Brian ends up hitting a line where he looks in the camera and he goes, Wow, what a woman. And that was supposed to just be that promo and that's it. But everyone loved that Brian was like smitten with session moth. And the internet kind of just blew up. It was, you know, you can do the demographics on what's going on in the internet. Well, Ring of Honor came to us. So that that promo airs. And we had a meeting with Creative. We're like, hey, we want you guys to be a little more serious in the ring. We're like, okay, cool. We can do that. The next day, they pulled us in again. And they go, hey, remember all that stuff we were telling you? Yeah, we don't want you to do that. We want you to figure out how you can do stuff with more stuff with Martina <laughs> because that promo that aired was number two on all of our social media platforms. The only thing that beat it was a Briscoe's promo, <laughs> which it's the Briscoe's. When you think Ring of Honor, you think Absolutely, the Briscoe's. Yeah. So right away we're like, okay, well, creative, what are we doing? They're like, we're going to figure out something. We're sessions with you guys. This needs to happen. And that's how we ended up coming up with all these different vignettes. And it's great working with Sash because she's got such a good mind not just a great wrestling mind, but she knows her character so well. And we know our character so well that when we all get together, we try to think about, Hey, what if we did something like this or something like this? And that wouldn't work. Or she'll be like, Oh, in the UK, that won't translate. Well, you know, we'll be like on oh, the States that doesn't translate. So we're trying to find that happy medium to where UK fans get it. And, uh, us fans get it. You know what I mean? And then what's, what's happening is everyone's loving what's going on. And every time we release a video, it gets the most hits on the Ring of Honor website. So <laughs> <laughs> we're doing something right, oh, <laughs> you know. Amazing. And long may she ended up going out and having some great matches, and they had us doing commentary for her matches. And we came out, we do what's called a Toast of Honor with her, and, and our, our Ring of Honor fans just picked up on it right away. Before we get to your third and final match, I like to spring this on people because I like the the instant reaction to uh, to the answers to these questions, as well as taking three wrestling matches. You're allowed to take with you a movie, an album, and a luxury item. So, 
when I first say to you, you can take a movie which, with you, what's the first movie that comes to your mind? I'm going to take The Crow, starring Brandon Lee. Uh, I've seen that movie more than I've seen anything else in this lifetime. So I love that movie. I've got four different versions of it from director's cuts to to theater cut to unreleased footage, everything. Like I was – when that movie came out, I kind of became obsessed with it. So The Crow is definitely the movie that I'm bringing with Would me. Would that have made you uh, a fan of Sting? Would that have drawn you to the, the WCW TV at your friend's house? When, when... Yeah, actually, that's going to factor into my third match. When oh, we get to oh, oh, don't you, you tease me, <laughs> sir. Don't you tease me. Um, how about an album? What have we got for an album? I'm going with uh, Tool Inema. Um, that album is an amazing album that you can listen from first song to the last song all the way through. Uh, anytime I'm having a hard time doing cardio in the gym, I'll throw that album on because it, it never ends. It's just a constant song, it seems like. Um, and it, it helped me get through some dark times in my life. Um, you know, like you could you can always pinpoint, I don't know if it happens with everybody, but me, Whenever I hear a song, I can think of some place that I've been or something that I've done. And I remember Tool was always there when, if I'm bummed out or something, I put a Tool song on, and, and it just always lifts me in the good spirits. And uh, they were always a, a bucket list band for me that I never thought I'd see live because they very rarely toured, and I've actually seen them twice now on their latest tour. So definitely Tool Anima. And a luxury item. So this could be something non-wrestling based. Just something that you maybe have around the house, like an item that means something to you that can that put a smile on your face, something that you can do while you're on the island. Um, what do you reckon? What would you like to have? Uh, unlimited supply of beer. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite beer. What's your favorite beer? My favorite beer is, is, is called Yingling. It's only available on the east coast of the States. And uh, I don't get it a lot here in the Midwest. Um, I'm, in fact, been on Twitter kind of bugging Yingling to send me a case of beer during this quarantine time because I miss it so much. Um, that's my favorite beer, but my go-to beer, if I can't get Yingling, is always Coors Light. So, But Yingling, Yingling is, is it, and I keep telling them, send me beer, and I keep trying to figure out a way to get them to mail me beer. If Yingling are listening, we'll, we'll work on them. We'll wear them down. <laughs> we'll make it our mission this yeah, week I've got... to wear them down. I've got a crusade on Twitter right now trying to help me, so. <laughs> Final match then, uh, Beer City Bruiser. What are we going for? Well, as I hinted at before, the Crow was a big impact in me, and obviously Crow Sting. So I'm going with Sting versus Hollywood Hogan, Star K97. We have to go back to the end of the summer of 1996 to remember the last time this man walked in the ring. And I say that because, as you wrestling fans know, it's not the same man. It is Sting, and what lived in his heart has always been World Championship Wrestling. He was our major star. Hogan arrived in 1994 and changed the course of wrestling. And then, of course, Bash to the Beach one year ago when the NWO was formed. The world, including announcers, promoters, fans, turned their back on Sting. Sting has returned to the wrestling ring here December 28, 1997, to reclaim WCW's title from the NWO. That's a 
cold stares what that is. Our crowning jewel at WCW. The franchise of the entire organization. And the reason that this match sticks out isn't just because of the match itself. Even though the match is good, it's the complete buildup to the match. From Sting leaving and sitting in the rafters and the NWO coming out and rubbing running rough shot and is sting nwo is he not nwo you know um sting doing promos without talking like i can remember the james J. dylan taking over as the uh the executive what they call him the executive administrator of wcw and he's gonna give him a first his match was gonna be against six and he didn't want it then it was gonna be against conan no and he's like what can i give you and the crowd starts chanting hogan and you see sting just kind of point around and the whole build-up to the match, you know what I mean? And then the match is very good. Like, I'm not trying to take anything away from the match because it's a great match. Sting does a great job of, of standing up to the NWO. And then the the finish at the end, where was it a clean finish? Was it a bad finish? Nobody knows. I remember Sting having that great entrance where he has the poem being read, but the lasers show his faces up in the rafters. You know what I mean? And then the slow music and him coming out and... I was just so into this angle and this match in 97 that it just, it stuck with me. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, I know Hogan wasn't in his prime, so he's not great, but at this particular night, Hogan worked his ass off, you know, like he's selling really good. He's getting heat. He's truly NWO Hollywood Hogan. And it just, that match will always stick out to me. There's something to be said for a match with, the the year-long build that this one had because we don't really have patience anymore for a year-long build but i've always been a fan of a, a match that takes a year for it to come around again nowadays everyone's so instant like we got to know what's going on we got to know what's going on you know and and i've gone back and actually watched this angle and my kids are like dad why doesn't sting just do something i'm like he will <laughs> you know he will but no, no, like he's there. Is he going to drop down to the rafters now? What's going to happen? I go, that's the whole point of this angle is you want him to come. And they're not giving it to you yet. So you want it even more. And and kids nowadays just don't get that. Like I get so angry sometimes because you see a guy be a champion for, you know, three months. And then that's it. We're like, you know, you go back to, to – to this angle, you can go back to Austin winning the title. Remember, it took Austin forever to 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 beat Sean to, when he finally beats him and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, build up, let it happen. Like nowadays, everyone wants that instantaneous reaction, and yeah, you get the reaction, but then it's over with. You know what I mean? Like that whole Boneyard match with AJ and Undertaker, it was good. But can you imagine if they would have done even a nine months build up to that match? Or, or uh, you know, from WrestleMania last year to WrestleMania this year build up to the match. Undertaker doesn't have to do anything in the ring. He just has to be the Undertaker. You know what I mean? Would have made the match that much more memorable, I think. You mentioned there about showing the the build the sting build up to your kids it must be wonderful uh to have kids who are so into the wrestling by the sounds of it yeah um they're not <laughs> as they get older they they fall out and fall back um they'll always be wrestling fans because they've been around it their whole lives because you know I, I they're i've been wrestling as long as they've been alive and uh 
they like this like it's fun to see the stuff that makes them excited because it's different than what made me excited as a kid and uh i'm really appreciative they go back and watch all the old stuff like they'll watch current stuff now not as much so now um as they used to but like i like to show them some of the old stuff because i get really excited i remember what i got excited for and then they got these new eyes on it and it's like wait you're cheering for this guy like this guy's nothing you know but like it's just fun to see you know it's it's cool because you know they they know the ins and outs of wrestling they've been around it their whole lives you know and when they can actually be fooled as fans is what i like to see like with the whole sting thing you know or uh you know when the the attitude era started you had degeneration x and stuff you know like nowadays that's really nothing because so much more has happened on tv you know, but they still laugh at some of the stuff they did, which is fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a time of recording this, it's it's early in the morning for you, and obviously we're all in in quarantine and isolation, lockdown, and you, it'd be uh, your, your your good lady wife and the kids today. What have you got planned with the kids? Anything nice today? Uh, no. <laughs> Probably go outside because it's a beautiful day, and, and uh, my daughter's a big softball player, and obviously she can't do that. So we'll probably get outside and play catch for a little bit um do a home workout and figure out what to do with the day <laughs> it's the great mystery of every single day at the moment where it's all blurred into one but um yeah. the, the important thing is everybody's happy and healthy at your end that's the important thing yeah and uh everybody out there's listening please stay home stay safe we'll get through this you know like i know it's as being a professional wrestler where every weekend I'm on the road and I'm traveling this home time, everyone always asks, Oh, I'm sure it's great to be home. I like being home. Don't get me wrong, but I've for 20 years, I've been programmed to be on the road and, and be in a different hotel every night. You know what I mean? And it's easy to go stir crazy when you're in one spot for too long. And, uh, if, just keep listening to everybody and stay safe, stay quarantined, stay away, you know, stay home and let's get through this so that we can wrestle again. And while people are quarantined, where can they find out all about you? I want to give you the floor to go ahead and plug anything that you want to shout about, uh, online things and stuff like that. This is all yours. Uh, I'm on Twitter at BCB Winchester on Facebook. It's the beer city bruiser Instagram. It's beer city bruiser. Uh, if you go to pro wrestling slash beer city bruiser uh you can get uh my t-shirts there i just released a brand new one i call it the beer cat shirt it's actually a picture of my cat um with a keg behind it, her wearing sunglasses it's a fun <laughs> little picture um for all the cat lovers and every time i sell one of those shirts i will donate part of the proceeds to the humane society um to help out animals and stuff um Go to ROHWrestling.com, click on the shop button. You can pick up Bouncer stuff or a Beer City Bruiser t-shirt and become an Honor Club member. Like I said, now is great because we were talking about earlier, you can go online and get all these different matches, whether it be YouTube or the network. Honor Club's another way of doing that. You can get stuff from Ring of Honor all the way back to 2010 to current, you know, um, and every day they're uploading more stuff. And you can see what we're doing social media-wise at our at ROH's website and stuff. Uh, I have what's called an honor blog there where I just kind of blog and 
let people know what I'm thinking on a daily basis. And then uh, if you go on YouTube, Beer City Bruiser, I've been releasing weekly long uh, vlogs about what I do every day and normal stuff. And I share stories um, from being on the road. I share Harley stories. I share ROH stories, indie stories, and just overall it's a good time and that's on youtube where you look at beer city bruiser on youtube and everything else is there not only want to see you back wrestling i'd kind of like to see you in another hardware commercial i think that needs to happen as well <laughs> i do too i agree ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 